hello women of a certain age, just when you thought it was safe to stop being horny, this week, Cliff Richard is back. Welcome to the 2000s Chart Show. The 2000s Chart Show. The 2000s Chart Show. This is the 2000s Chart Show, the chart show where every week we are reliving the UK Top 40 Singles Chart from 20 years ago. I'm Samuel Spencer and we have 16 new releases this week, the biggest week we've ever had. Here are all of them in hastily assembled alphabetical order. We have new singles this week from Alicia Keys, Big Brothers, Cheeky Girls, Christina Aguilera, Cliff Richard, Evanescence, Good Charlotte, Jay-Z, John Lennon and Yoko Ono, Lost Brothers, Madonna, Nelly Furtado, Noddy, Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne, Rachel Stevens and Texas. So we better get right on going with, at number 40, the first of those new entries, I'll See It Through by Texas. You're all I've ever wanted Loving you's the right thing to do And I'll see it through Now, Charlene Spateri from Texas, be honest with me, is this ballad a little bland? Mm, I thought so. The reason for that may be that this song featured on the Love Actually soundtrack. The Love Actually singles have, of course, been dominating these charts over the last few weeks. We've already had releases from Girls Aloud and Kelly Clarkson, one of which is still on the chart this week. Sorry, Kelly, it's not you. And next week, we will have the Sugar Babes with their Hun classic, Too Lost in You, and Bill Nye as Billy Mac doing Christmas is All Around. So we are far from away from the Love Actually songs. Many more Love Actually songs still to come, although not not all of those songs feature on all versions of the soundtrack. In an incredible moment of rudeness, the US soundtrack completely gets rid of Jump by Girls Aloud and replaces it with the original by the Pointer Sisters. We don't want any of that there, Girls Aloud. No siree, thank you. That's what I imagine the American music executive said. Texas here did make both versions of the soundtrack, but I think that may have just been because... That same record executive was like, oh, wow, their name is there, they're Texas. Well, we better keep them on. That's how all American music executives speak. That's just a fact. In 2003, Charlene Spateri from Texas was doing what every serious musician was doing in 2003, having a go at Pop Idol. She told the Scotsman newspaper, and of course, let's remember she is Scottish. Oh, I don't know. Uh, How did she know? Scottish, obviously, none of the accents that I do here are in any way accurate, but Scottish is particularly elusive. She says, so the interviewer asked her, how does she think pop idol affects the drive for individuality? She says, I think it's really sad because when they start off, they're better, and then they end up shit by the end of it. They get really blanded out. Anything that was any good that needs nurturing is whacked out of them, and they're made to do it apparently how it should be. The whole point of creating something new and fresh is not to do it in the way it was done before. So you've lost it before you've even started it. I mean, she's not wrong. But it is a little rich talking about being blanded out the same year you released the song I'll See It Through. That's all I'll say about that in terms of a review. 
Although this blandness clearly works for them because on the Spotify page for this album, Careful What You Wish For, the highest song that isn't I'll See It Through has about 290,000 streams, whereas this song has 3.6 million streams. Clearly that Love Actually soundtrack paying dividends to their streaming numbers. Although it should also be noted that it is the lowest streaming song on the entire Love Actually soundtrack. But especially weird because that 290,000 streams is for Carnival Girl, their single that earlier this year got to number nine. So interesting differential there. It really shows you the power of Christmas movies, even when, and sorry love actually fans, they're shit. As for the future of Texas, we can expect three more top 40s from them in the year 2005, making for a total of 22 top 40s, very respectable, and 13 top 10s, the highest of which was Say What You Want in number three hit in January 1997. So Texas at number 40, and now let's run through 39 to 35. At 39, not me, not I, by Delta Goodrum. That is down from 18, 21 place drop. A 15 place drop, but in its 6th week for Flip Reverse It by Blazing Squad. People didn't want to think about bumming in a truck this close to Christmas. So cold. 37, one more chance. Luckily, we have no more chances to talk about that on the top 40. That's down from 21 in its third week. 36, doing amazingly in its 13th week, making it the longest running single on this chart. Superstar by Jamelia, that's down from 25. Thirty-five in its second week. Watch as your nana slips off the floor in erotic glee. You raise me up by Daniel O'Donnell. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stories. That brings us to three new entries in a row. So let's start with number thirty-four. New entry for. Good Charlotte with their double A-side single, The Young and the Hopeless, and Hold On. And here is the second of those tracks, Hold On. This song was written by Good Charlotte's Benji and Joel Madden as an anti-suicide song. They told Smash Hits magazine, we want to give fans hope just to let them know it's never worth taking your own life. Very respectable sentiment. Also, this had to be an anti-suicide song because the other song, The Young and the Hopeless, is so incredibly depressing. Here's just a sample of the lyrics. 
And if I make it through today, will tomorrow be the same? Am I just running in place? And if I stumble and fall, should I get up and carry on? Or will it all just be the same? Because I'm young and I'm hopeless. I'm lost and I know this. Mm, the most depressing thing of all, maybe that rhyme. I'm going nowhere fast. That's what they say. I'm troublesome. I've fallen. I'm angry at my father. It's me against the world and I don't care. I don't care. The angry at my father was definitely from the Madden twins' life. In at Top of the Pops magazine, Joel Madden was asked, do you still see your dad? And he said, I haven't spoken to him since I was 16. If he came home and his shoes weren't in the right place, he would just start going off. One time I saw him rip a phone off the wall and throw it at my mum like he was pitching a baseball. My parents had a big argument on Christmas Eve and the next thing, I heard him slam the door. That was it. Happy Christmas, everyone. Some other little gems from this Top of the Pops magazine interview. They asked him, any outrageous antics to confess? And he said, Benji is the real joker of the group. I remember this one time when he put poo on a $20 bill and stuck it in an ATM machine. The guy came along, went to pick it up and ended up with poo all over his hand. Really, the joke's on them because they had to handle the shit in the first place. So they haven't actually done any worse than the person they're pranking. So kind of a fail there. Although it should just be noted, this guy who thinks it's funny to wipe excrement on $20 bills, ended up married to Cameron Diaz. So don't worry straight man. I'm sure there's hundreds of you listening. You can be an absolute loser and still get very beautiful women. Good, depressing episode so far. Men really can fail upwards, can't they? Joel, meanwhile, was asked, what was your favourite job? He said, I once worked in a hair salon where I shampooed ladies' hair. I wasn't a shampoo boy or anything, but I really enjoyed it. Actually, it was one of my favourite jobs. Is shampoo boy an archaic euphemism for a homosexual that I've never heard? I quite like it if so. I would also add, babe, if you're a boy and you're doing the shampooing, you're a shampoo boy. Clues in the name. The Young and the Hopeless Hold On here is Good Charlotte's worst charting single so far. Clearly their fans were like, hmm, hopeful message about not committing suicide. Nah, tell us about how girls don't like boys, girls like cars and money, okay? That song, by the way, gave them their peak of number six in May 2003. The band go on to have four UK top 40s and one more UK top 10. And since then, Benji and Joel Madden found themselves making money by appearing as judges on The Voice starring alongside the previous people that we talked about, Delta Goodrum and Jesse J. Here's just a little clip of the scintillating drama that that contrast caused. Sure. I'll pick it up when we're done. I didn't have anywhere to put it. What do you mean, put it in my pocket? Just litera? I, I know. I, just, I can see that. That's all I'm looking at. I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm going to pick that up. I have a pile by the end of the day. <laughs> I always clean up after myself. This is the worst part about the voice, isn't it? It's these, like, faked, in-between-songs banter that just makes me want to vomit, really. Certainly someone who would never have had any time for any of that shite is at number 33. It says on the official charts website, a new entry, but not quite. This is from 1972. John and Yoko with the Plastic Ono bands. Happy Christmas. War is over. Right, Happy Christmas, War is Over. Some of the pop maniacs out there may know that in next week's chart in 2003, another version of Happy Xmas, War is Over is released by the contestants of Pop Idol Season 2. So interesting here, I wondered whether this was just Yoko Ono being a little bit cunty and being like, I'm not letting those pop idols besmirch my husband's reputation. I mean, I will let them besmirch it to the extent that I'll let them record the song, but then I will 
try and claim back some dignity by releasing the superior original. But it seems that this isn't the case. This was actually released to coincide with the DVD release of a John Lennon Greatest Hits collection, collecting all of his music videos of him just, you know, sitting in bed or whatever. And of course, not only did the Pop Idols release this song this year, but so too did Delta Goodrum in the UK. It was released as one of the B-sides to her single Not Me, Not I. And in Australia, it got its own release onto radio. And the Pop Idols and Delta Goodrum are far from the only people who have recorded this song. Everyone from Boy George to Celine Dion to Miley Cyrus to Maroon 5 to Andy Williams to Neil Diamond has released a version of this song. The original hit number four in December 1972 and then hit its peak of number two a few weeks after John Lennon was murdered in December 1980. Weirdly though, it reached its peak in January 1981, a time in which Christmas songs don't tend to do well, funnily enough. And it may have even got to number one in January had another song by John Lennon, Imagine not beat it to that spot. Then of course, like Christmas singles tend to be, was re-released in 82, 83 and 84, and now in 2003. And of course, because streaming has ruined the UK Top 40 completely, it has now appeared on the UK Top 40 every year since 2017, every December. Where is it at this very moment, I wonder? At number 21, in its 58th week on the chart. In between Driving Home for Christmas by Chris Rea and Georgia Smith's cover of Stay Another Day, which, sorry, is not a Christmas song just because the original version was released at Christmas. That's a hill that I will die on. The song was originally released as part of a multimedia campaign which saw them buying billboards in 12 major cities across the world which read, War is over, if you want it, Happy Christmas from John and Yoko. Socks probably would have done, but thanks for the effort. That This made him the first Beatle to release a Christmas song. Of course, Paul McCartney would release Wonderful Christmas Time in 1979. George Harrison apparently released a Christmas song called Ding Dong Ding Dong in 1974. Can't wait to insert a clip of that here. Then Ringo Starr did an entire album of Christmas songs called I Wanna Be Santa Claus in 1999. Peace and love, peace and love. John Lennon, meanwhile, has had three number one singles, but they all were posthumous. They came out after he had died and all very shortly after each other. Imagine, as we said here, woman and just like starting over all in the early stages of 1981. Happy Christmas War is Over, meanwhile, in 2012, was named by ITV the 10th best Christmas song behind I Believe in Father Christmas by Greg Lake, sure, Last Christmas by Wham, Stop the Cavalry by Jonah Louie, Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid, All I Want of Christmas Is You by Mariah Carey, Bing Crosby's White Christmas, Slade's Merry Xmas Everybody, Wizards' I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day, and at number one, the Pogues and Kirsty McCall's Fairy Tale of New York. And speaking as a cheap, lousy faggot myself, that feels correct. And so obviously, Happy Christmas War is Over is a classic, but that doesn't mean that it's not a little racially problematic. Of course, talking about the line, and so happy Christmas for black and for white, for yellow and red ones, let's stop all the fight. What makes that even worse is it's not only racially insensitive, but it's a bad rhyme. Not saying those two things are equally bad, but both worth noting. So there we go, John Lennon getting another top 40 single 23 years after his death, but not able to be at 32, another new entry for Jay-Z with Change Clothes. Uh, 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 Your boy is back. 
back, proof is back. Tell the whole world the truth is back. You ain't gotta argue about who can rap, cause the proof is back. Just go through my rap. New York, New York, yeah, where my troop is at. Just wanna highlight in this song his amazing pronunciation of the word Buddhist. Gotta keep a peace like a Buddhist. Something very inspirational there. If things don't work the way you want them to, just totally bend them to your will. Jay-Z was named the greatest rapper of all time by Billboard in 2023, which is weird because there was another better rapper on the charts in 2003 that they seem to have ignored. I'm drinking a latte. I get a double shot. It goes through my body and you know I'm satisfied. I drop my mini paper and I'm feeling super duper. You they tell me I'm a trooper and you know I'm satisfied. He also holds the record for the most number one albums of any solo artist on the Billboard Top 200 with 14. But with this particular song, he was helped out by who else but Pharrell Williams. He has uncredited vocals. Because of course, and you may have forgotten this, it was actually illegal to release a hip-hop song in 2003 without Pharrell Williams. I think it was something to do with the war. In the UK, meanwhile, Jay-Z has four number ones, all of which, if we're honest, see him riding off the coattails of more interesting women. Of course, two of those are from his more interesting wife, Beyonce. Crazy in Love, we've talked about before. And he will go on to have number ones with Deja Vu in August 2006. Umbrella with Rihanna in May 2007. And another one with Rihanna, Run This Town, in September 2009. Which is interesting. Interesting that he has three more number ones to go. Because he, of course, did retire from music in 2003. He has called it the worst retirement in history because he was pretty much back within about three years. He spent his quote-unquote retirement time becoming the CEO of Def Jam Recordings, making him the richest rapper in the world with an estimated net worth of $2.5 billion. He also became the part owner of the New Jersey Nets, which I presume isn't a company in New Jersey that sells Nets. And in fact, pretty much as soon as he's retired, he went on a world tour with R. Kelly. Honestly, should have picked retirement. Although he has said he told Kevin Hart recently that... Ooh, Another problematic person he's working with there. That he was burnt out at the time. He really did think that he was going to be retired for real. He also revealed that he only took his first vacation in 2000. And I'm like, whatever, mate. I didn't go on a plane until 2004. So, yeah. 13 UK top 10s and 39 UK top 40s. So, Jay-Z there at 32. And talking about more interesting female artists. I guess it might be a little bit of a stretch to say that Alex Parks is more interesting than Jay-Z. But she is at number 31, down from 15 in her fourth week. Fascinating women working together. Me against the music, Britney Spears featuring Madonna. Down from 20 in its fifth week, leading to another new entry at 29 for the Jay Z of Britain. It is Make Way for Noddy by Noddy. Make way for Noddy, Noddy, he toots his horn to say, Make way for Noddy, Noddy, come 
Christmas time, of course, not to be confused with Noddy Holder from Slade. This is Noddy, the fictional puppet. You may wonder, why the hell are they releasing a Noddy record in 2003? Great question. There is actually a weird tradition of releasing kids' songs and them doing very well in the Christmas charts. There have been two Christmas number ones based on children's TV characters in 1993, Mr. Blobby got to number one with Mr. Blobby, and then Bob the Builder's Can We Fix It, a number one hit in Christmas 2000. And of course, we can also add to that list the Teletubby Say Eto, which was a number one hit the week before Christmas in 1997, but beaten to number one by Too Much by the Spice Girls. Also, a honourable mention from the Kids TV Songs at Christmas list is the Tweenies, who got to number nine in December 2001 with their song I Believe in Christmas. Kind of ridiculous. Of course you believe in Christmas. It's a thing that exists. You might as well say, I believe in Wednesday. Sorry, Jake, Bella, Milo and Fizz. God, the way I could pull that is depressing. Maybe the reason I can pull that is because I do actually listen to the Tweenies song number one quite often. Very funny that that song was called Number One and then got to number five in November 2000. It's the great song that all stars never recorded. And now it is time for Noddy to join the Pantheon. He, of course, is based on a series of books by Enid Blyton, which have a surprisingly dark backstory. Here's from the Wikipedia for Noddy. He is made by a woodcarver in a toy shop, but runs away after the man begins to make a wooden lion, which scares Noddy. As he wanders through the woods naked, penniless and homeless... She's just like you and me, but she's homeless. Okay, he meets Big Ears, a friendly gnome. Yeah, I wonder why he's friendly. Taking one look at a naked Noddy and it's like, mm. Big Ears decides, yeah, it's not in his ears though. Okay, fine. Decides that Noddy is a toy and takes him to live in Toyland. He generously provides Noddy with a set of clothing and a house. Mm, okay, sugar daddy. While Noddy is quite happy to be a toy, the citizens read Twink. Yeah, happy to be Big Ears toy, if you know what I mean. The citizens of Toyland are not sure that he actually is one. They put Noddy on trial. <laughs> and examine whether he is a toy or an ornament. Eventually, Noddy is declared a toy, but still has to convince the court that he is a good toy. The judge accepts Noddy as good after a doll tells the court that he saved her little girl from a lion and he is allowed to stay in Toyland. Wow, who knew that Noddy was a harrowing court drama? This Christmas, the court case that changed everything. But I am a toy! No! Help, I'm running naked in the woods, lonely and afraid! Hello, I'm Big Ears. I like your hat. Yeah, there you go. That's the trailer for the gritty reboot of Noddy. Free to commission from me anyone who wants to make the worst TV show ever made. And sorry to ruin Noddy because he has been a beloved character for many decades. He first made his appearance on TV in 1955 and they were making Noddy shows as recently as 2020 and I'm sure... That will not be the last time that old Nodster gets a go. But this is, unfortunately, the last time that he will appear on the UK Top 40. I've heard he's working Andre 3000 style on an ambient flute record. Beating Noddy in the charts are two double A-side singles at 28. 5050 and Lullaby by Lamar. That's down from 19 in its fourth week. And I need her right now in my life.
27, Clapback and Reigns by Ja Rule in its third week at number 14. Taking us to at 26, a flop that honestly probably should have ruined this person's career, but we are so glad that it didn't because at 26 we have a new entry for Funky Dory by Rachel Stevens. Rachel Stevens herself. I may have said this before, but did I? I'm not sure that I've called Rachel Stevens Dame Rachel Stevens since I did a student radio show in 2012. And then I saw the Twitter account Fake Showbiz News call her Dame Rachel Stevens, which made me hope that the Fake Showbiz News people had watched or listened to any of my stuff, which would be amazing because they are, of course, online icons. Talking about icons, Rachel Stevens had an embarrassing moment in the airport in 2003. Apparently airport officials had to confiscate six leather whips from her baggage. Guards said the whips which Rachel uses on stage could have been used as weapons. Yeah, we've all been there. They get six whips out of your bag and you're like, um, oh, they're from my stage show. And they're like, yeah, sure. What's the dildo for? The encore. But this sexy image certainly was helping Rachel Stevens' bank balance. This year, she earned £100,000 for advertising Pretty Polly underwear. And it was probably those underwear ads that allowed her to keep going with her career, even after her second single only went to number 26, which, as we've seen on this podcast a lot, is usually enough to end your solo career for good. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, but thank God that Rachel Stevens got to release Sweet Dreams My LAX and Britney didn't want it because if she hadn't, Funky Doy may have been her first single, would have only got to 26 and we would have been deprived of some girls negotiate with love. I said never again, but here we are. So good. And the whole of the Come and Get It album. So yeah, the question is, why did Rachel Stevens get to continue making music after a chart placement that would have ruined a lesser pop star's career? They even did the classic thing of announcing a third single and then cancelling it. The third single from Funky Doy was supposed to be Breathe In, Breathe Out, but then it never got released and she would not in fact release another song until Some Girls comes out in November 2004. Part of it is probably that they knew that they could sell calendars to dads in perpetuity to be honest which is depressing but probably true but it's obviously someone in the record label was like no I think we can still make this work she has the most potential out of any of these pop girlies let's give her one more chance and of course the rest was history even though this song only sold 8,000 copies so it really was a disaster so we really have to thank whoever was in the record label fighting against her getting dropped and it was a close thing because they do totally rethink her entire thing her next two singles from this album are not currently on the album will only be added to the album in 2004 they are of course Some Girls and More 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 so they kind of realised that what they had wasn't really working and they rethought it we have to be honest I'm a huge Rachel Stevens fan but this is the weakest of her singles even though it's very funny that because it uses a sample of the David Bowie song Andy Warhol it does have David Bowie as the first credited songwriter which obviously didn't happen but I love the idea of David Bowie sitting down and thinking oh I've got a 
write a hot single for that girl out of S Club. I mean, why not? He was basically retired at this point. He had plenty of time to write a Rachel Stevens song. The fact that he didn't actually is rude. So this song, only selling 8,000 copies, but that wasn't through want of trying. One of the ways they tried to get it to be a success was getting Rachel Stevens to do the true or false section of Top of the Pops, in which pop stars answer rumours about themselves. One of these is very funny. They ask her whether it's true that they all hated Tina and left her out. Rachel says, false, absolutely not true. She had a birthday party a couple of weeks ago, and unfortunately, I couldn't make it, but I've spoken to her a few times since S Club finished. There's certainly no rivalry. Yeah, see, that doesn't actually prove anything. The fact that she had a birthday party is not proof that you don't hate her. We're like, yeah, right, sure you couldn't make it, babe. She also reveals that at this point, Simon Fuller had not only signed Rachel, and he probably may be the reason why she got another attempt at being a pop star, because obviously he was such a huge figure who had been behind S Club 7 and Spice Girls, so people probably owed him a favour. At this point, he had signed Joe, and Rachel said he maybe was thinking about signing Bradley, so interesting to see why he eventually didn't give Bradley a chance but certainly he gave Rachel another chance and thank goodness because her next single is set to be one of the absolute best songs that we will talk about on this podcast so very much looking forward to that but for now we have to leave Dame Rachel in her kingdom of number 26 and so let's head to number 25 down from number nine that's a 16 place drop entrenching their way into the flop boy band canon d-side with real world and 23 two former UK number ones we will talk very shortly about some of the songs trying to be number one this week but at number 24 down from 16 that's in its eighth week Be Faithful by Fat Man Scoop and in its fifth week down from 12 at 23 Busted with Crashed the Wedding a song that never got to number one but will spend 19 weeks on the top 40 this is its fifth week on the chart in another four weeks it will be back in the top 10 but for now it's at number 22 hey ya by outcast our next new entry one of the most anonymous bands that we will talk about on this entire show lost brothers featuring g tom mack with cry little sister i need you now
fans of vampire fiction may recognise this song from the soundtrack to the cult 1987 vampire film, The Lost Boys. For some reason, it's getting remixed in 2003. Maybe there was a DVD out or something. By The Lost Brothers, of whom there's almost nothing online. There's a Wikipedia entry for a band called The Lost Brothers, but they are an Irish musical duo of folk singers, so it's not them. Don't know who these other Lost Brothers are. I can tell you that G. Tom Mack is Gerard McMahon, the original singer of Cry Little Sister, but anything else about this song, I just can't tell you. So, hope you enjoyed it. Put a big question mark there at this song. Just missing out on the top 20, the halfway point and a perfect time to take you through the big songs that are fighting it out for number one this week. At this point, Leave Right Now by Will Young is in its second week, sold something like 86,000 copies last week, so respectable, could make a third week, but with 16 new entries, one of them is surely going to be able to have the juice to beat him to number one. But let's look at some of the candidates, starting with a chart legend somehow, Cliff Richard with Santa's List. The only wish on Santa's he has, at this point, had three Christmas-themed UK number ones, of which we will talk about later. He will be surely trying to get a fourth to add to his incredible number of number ones. You will not be able to guess how many he has. Again, we will shock you with that later. This song, Santa's List, he's trying to get us all to want a little bit of peace. What's wrong with that? Other than, of course, the song being completely dreadful. So hopefully, the part of me who loves chart records kind of does want Cliff Richard to be number one but the part of me that loves music that doesn't make my ears want to die is rooting for the cheeky girls with have a cheeky christmas Christmas they have so far had two number two hits with the cheeky song touch my bum and take your shoes off and a number three hit with hooray hooray it's a cheeky holiday it would be very strange if a novelty act had a number one hit with its fourth song but stranger things have happened this song force has had a 2023 resurgence in a hilarious way which we will talk about again later also fighting for that top spot are two let's call them goth ballads two artists better known for metal music making piano based ballads the first of those, Evanescence with My Immortal. There's just too much that time cannot erase. This song was all over the Daredevil soundtrack. However, Daredevil was a huge flop, so people aren't buying it from there. But Christmas, a prime time for the sappiest of ballads. So this could do Evanescence very well, but they will have to beat the power couple of Ozzy Osbourne and Kelly Osbourne. The Osbournes, one of the most talked about reality TV shows of the moment. Ozzy Osbourne, obviously a legend, and he'd never had a solo number one, so many thought that his cover of his own song, Changes, with his daughter, may be the one to get him to number one. So they are all fighting out for number one alongside Christina Aguilera with The Voice Within. That makes her the third artist out of those five to have previously had a number one single at this point. She'd had number ones with Lady Marmalade, Genie in the Bottle, Dirty and Beautiful. She'll be hoping to join with those with another sappy ballad. Also Evanescence, by the way, a former number one with Bring Me to Life. So some big hitters trying to get that number one spot, trying to beat Will Young. Will they do it? We will find out shortly. But for now, another new entry, number 19, You Don't Know My Name by, of course I know your name, uh, Alikia Keys. Oh, 
Alicia Keys with the first track from her second album, The Diary of Alicia Keys. Dear Diary, I only got to number 19 in the UK charts this week, but at least I beat that bitch noddy, is what I imagine her diary read this day 20 years ago. Alicia Keys' chart peak will come in a few years' time when Empire State of Mind gets to number two, why we were on the subject of songs in which Jay-Z rides on the coattails of a more interesting woman. There's another one for you. And I can never think of Empire State of Mind by Alicia Keys without thinking of that amazing 30 Rock joke. Maybe my favourite joke in a show full of them. It's like Jay-Z says, concrete bunghole where dreams are made up. There's nothing you can do. So that got to number two, but this song stuck at 19, despite a rogues gallery of talent working on this song. You may have heard the backing vocals, They are from John Legend. The more I think about him, the more presumptuous I think it is to have your last name be Legend. It's like, my name isn't Samuel Podcasting Icon, is it? No. You earn your dues, mate. And, well, I guess he was earning his dues here doing backing for Alicia Keys. Also, this song was one of the first songs produced by a certain little hip-hop producer called Kanye West. He had previously had a chart hit with 03 Bonnie and Clyde by Beyonce and Jay-Z. I believe that was a number two hit. And also another song that we have recently talked about, Stand Up by Ludacris, also produced by Little Young Kanye. He will release his first album in 2004, so we will soon be talking about him quite a bit. Oh goody. Alicia Keys had quite a interesting upbringing, according to her Wikipedia page. It says, living in the rough neighbourhood of Hell's Kitchen. Presumably she didn't live on the set of the Gordon Ramsay show. I guess they mean the neighbourhood of New York. She was, from an early age, regularly exposed to street violence, drugs, prostitution, and subjected to sexual propositions in the sex trade and crime-riddled area. Babe, I'm from suburban Bristol, you don't have to tell me about that. Interesting that then she went on to be quite a middle-of-the-road maudlin balladeer. You would have thought that all of that would have given her some edge, but never mind. I like Alicia Keys. I think her song No One is one of the most whinging vocals of all time. Not a big fan of that, but obviously her song Falling is an absolute classic, and I also love her song Karma, which we will talk about in a few months' time as another release from this album. And I love the fact that her last name is Alicia Keys. I think more artists should be named vaguely after the instrument that they play. You know, if Ed Sheeran was called Ed Strings, I think I would like him approximately 6% more, which would of course mean that I like him 6%. Haha. <laughs> so Alicia Keys, there at 19. Not the high chart placement she may have wanted, but the song did get to number three on the Billboard chart, so probably she didn't give an absolute shit about the UK, to be honest. And fair enough. One guy who definitely should have given a shit about the UK, because it has given him a nine-week-long chart run for his song Turn Me On. This is Kevin Little at 18, down from 11. Just behind at 17, a song that is up again in the charts. The end of November, it was at 37, then 36, 28, and now 17. The rugby keeps going and people keep buying, for some reason, Swing Low by UB40 and United Colours of Sound. means money for Carrie and David Grant who are in United Colours of Sound then that's great because it's not like they're going to get any more Fame Academy money is it? 16 the person who brought everyone's attention to the horrible plight of ginger racism maybe that's what John and Yoko meant when they said the yellow and red ones we can only speculate down from 7 
at 16 in the second week, You Make Me Feel Brand New by Simply Red. Can't when I needed a friend Believed in me have a great underrated song here at 15 not doing as well as it deserved in my opinion big brothers with ain't what you do Big Brothers had a big year in 2003. Their song OK got to number seven in February 2003. Favourite Things, an absolute classic. Number two in May 2003. Baby Boy got to number four in September 2003. But unfortunately, the wheels are starting to come off a little bit here with a 15 placement for their song Ain't What You Do. Baby Boy, unfortunately, turns out to be their last top 10 single. Their next two songs will get to 17 and 15 in 2004. But at this point, despite this bad chart placement, Big Brothers probably very happy with their 2003. They won two MOBOs, with J-Rock saying that he broke one of them about 15 minutes after they got them. Guy after my own heart there. He said everyone was very upset, but I super glued it back together, so it's all good. Love that. He says the most famous person he met at the MOBOs was probably DMX, and I have to say he's a bit of a nut case when i first walked up to him i realized that he's actually really small had his head down staring at the floor so i said hello dmx very very polite he looked up and then put his head back down and started talking to me while still looking at the floor i thought okay and walked off unfortunately this by the way this interview is from the enemy yearbook 2003 he says fingers crossed next year will be as good as this one because we've all been really feeling it if next year's as good we'll be laughing sorry mate it doesn't happen but they had at this point already filmed their most iconic thing that will come up in 2004, their cameo from the film Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. He ends this interview with this, this iconic nugget. We got to do a few songs and we were even joined on stage by Scooby himself. It was strange because the dog is in is added in afterwards. When they filmed it, Scooby was played by this girl called Rihanna. She was pretty cool. She looked like the redhead girl from Girls Aloud. I got her number. J-Rock shagging Scooby-Doo there. If that doesn't say success in 2003, I don't know what does. So, but let's talk about the song Ain't What You Do. It is their version of the song Taint What You Do, It's The Way That You Do It. A originally recorded in 1939 by jazz musicians Melvin Cy Oliver and James Trummy Young. But its most famous version in the UK, although it's been released by Ella Fitzgerald, is probably the duet version by Banana Rama and Funboy 3, three members of the Scar Band The Specials. released in 1982, giving Bananarama their first top 10 hit when it got to number four. If that song sounds vaguely familiar to you, it may be because it was the song used by B&Q in their adverts throughout the early 2010s. Tiles and tiles. The 
Big Brothers will not have another UK Top 10 hit, which is kind of unfair because A, this song is good, in my opinion, and also it's very on brand for them. You know, they are repurposing kind of jazzy standards from the past, very similar to what they were doing with Favourite Things. But it does mean that in 2007... They are part of one of the most legendary shortlists for Eurovision that there ever was. So obviously Scooch wins with Flying the Flag for You, but they are up against Atomic Kitten's Liz McLaren with her song Don't It Make You Happy, Brian Harvey of E17 with his song I Can, Justin Hawkins from The Darkness with his song They Don't Make Them Like They Used To, uh, someone called Cindy who is not as iconic with her song I'll Leave My Heart, the Big Brother song and they got third place by the way, their song just behind Cindy at third place was Big Bro Thang. I really would have loved a world in which Big Brothers were our Eurovision entry. But we also can't be annoyed that Scooch was because it did give us Would You Like Something to Suck On Sir? An iconic phrase for all time. And of course, after Fame With Big Brothers, two of the women will go on to become booty love and have three hits of their own. And J-Rock, who gave that interview with Enemy, released a 2006 documentary with Channel 4 called Giving Up The Weed, in which he tried to give up smoking marijuana after 14 years. J-Rock from Big Brothers, by the way, once liked one of our Instagram posts. So if you are listening, J-Rock, I hope that you were able to find the relationship with weed that you wanted. If you did, please let us know. In my opinion, the fact that this song is at number 15 is the closest thing to crazy. And (laughs) would you believe it? At number 14, in its second week down from 10, Katie Melua, the closest thing to crazy. How can I have got in so deep? Why did I fall in? the closest thing to crazy I have ever been Feeling 22 Acting 17 Katie Milliwer gives me the impression of like, the closest thing that she's been to crazy has been like saying that she'll be there in 10 minutes and then arriving in 12. But Closest Thing to Crazy is a song I have a soft spot for, just like our number 13, our next new entry, Nelly Furtado. The first time we get to talk about her on this podcast, very excitingly, with Powerless Brackets Say What You Want. of course iconic Canadian Portuguese artist very excited to see her as the headliner of Mighty Hoopla was very funny when all those people were predicting it was going to be like Cher and then it ended up being Nelly Furtado I see that as a punishment for anyone who was stupid enough to think that Cher was going to do some South London gay festival at this point Nelly Furtado had had two top five hits I'm Like a Bird got to number five in March 2001 and September 2001 Turn Off the Light got to number four then her third single from her hilariously titled album Whoa Nelly was on the radio Remember the Days which only got to number 18 I remember that was a week in which I think my mum gave me like a five to buy CD singles and so I could only buy three I bought Get the Party Started by Pink and I can't remember what the other ones were but I know that the fourth one that I was choosing between was On the Radio by Nelly Furtado and I just think had that been one of the ones I've taken home things could have been different but as it was they weren't and now she's back 
with the first song from her second album, Folklore, which is a album that is exploring more of her Portuguese roots. And this one has a great opening section in which she basically calls out magazines for being racist. She says, Paint my face in your magazines, make it look whiter than it seems, paint me over with your dreams, shove away my ethnicity. Which is a pretty strong statement and still feels sadly applicable in 2023. Nelly Furtado, though, a fascinating career and we're kind of only at the beginning of it but she's following already a classic pop pitfall in which you make a more personal second album and everyone's like nah no thank you we don't really want to know anything about you at all so as i said while like a bird and turn off the light got to five and four the singles from folklore powerless here at 13 then she'll get to number 15 with try and only number 40 with her song forcer but then of course she makes one of the great comebacks in 2006 becomes a hip-hop queen and has two number ones with man eater and her collaboration with timberland give it to me and then she fell into another classic pop pitfall she spent too long releasing her next album and no one cared about it especially because the first single from that album was the embarrassing big hoops bigger the better although i have to say i have been thinking about the song big hoops the bigger the better recently because i learned from this season of drag race uk that the word hoop is a slang term for an asshole so of course big hoops bigger the better you can see the comic potential that that unlocks so one of the reasons that nelly Furtado not doing as well here is because of her more personal album but also the fact that it was under promoted by her record label which was dreamworks records as in yep that dreamworks steven spielberg's film company also had a record label arm among the other artists on dreamworks records alien ant farm tamar braxton Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Eat World, Randy Newman, Papa Roach, Swizz Beats, and Rufus Wainwright. Quite an odd selection of people. In 2005, DreamWorks becomes part of Geffen Records. David Geffen was a part owner in DreamWorks, but then he brings them all over to his mega record label. And funnily enough, then, just a few months after that, she starts having hits. I think the Geffen Records people sat her down and were like, we're so great that you love your Portuguese roots, but make us a hip-hop banger, please miss, or you're out the door. And she certainly did. The result was Maneater, one of the best singles of all time, even if the cymbals on that song are a little too loud if you're listening in headphones. And now, once you've heard that, you'll never unhear it. Also, it did, the lack of promotion for this album did not help with the fact that she, at this point, had a three-month-old daughter, so wasn't really interested, I think, in a lot of international travel, suggesting why this song may have only got to number 13 in the UK. Although, in the US, it did not chart at all. She would not have another entry in the Billboard Hot 100 until Promiscuous got to number one in 2006. She would then also have a second number one on the US Billboard charts with Say It Right. So not the successful comeback that she may have been hoping for, although it did win Best Canadian Song at the 2004 Juno Awards, which is the Canadian equivalent of the Brits, although the closest runner-up to her win was Someday by Nickelback, which maybe suggests the lack of options in Canadian music at the time, rather than their specific love of Powerless by Nelly Furtado. Before we move on from Nelly, just two Weird facts from her Wikipedia I want to bring to your attention. First, in November 2006, Furtado revealed that she once turned down $500,000 to pose in Playboy. You may think, yeah, you know, you maybe not don't want to share your body. You think that that's not something you want to do. But I missed out some words there. In fact, it reads, in November 2006, Furtado revealed that she once turned down £500,000 to pose fully clothed. 
in Playboy. Babe, you're not going to have that many hits. Like, you could do with that money. They're just asking you to wear a nice jumper. Like, it then follows straight on from that with, Furtado can speak 50 to 60% of the Spanish language. Don't really know what that means. It's like, surely you can, either can speak Spanish or you can't. I think we can only probably speak 50% of English, you know? Lots of big words that I don't know. And lots of internet slang that I have no idea because I spend all my time looking at 2003. Who has time to TikTok? So Nelly Furtado at 13... Glad we can talk about her and plenty more opportunities to do so. For now, at number 12, our second Love Actually song on this week's chart, Jump by Girls Aloud. That's down from six in its fourth week. Eleven, my queen, just missing out on the top ten, and that's not like me saying my queen ironically, and it ends up being Javine. It is Madonna with Love Profusion. And the love profusion, you make me feel. I think this album, American Life, is an underrated masterpiece. I think Love Profusion is one of the best tracks on it. But certainly Madonna was in somewhat of her chaos era at this point. One of the things she did that people made a lot of fun of was release a series of fake tracks onto file sharing services to try and stop people pirating her album American Life. If you played the tracks, it would just be her endlessly repeating the phrase, what the fuck do you think you're doing? What the fuck do you think you're doing? Which she probably thought that was clever, but then unfortunately it led one pissed off Madonna fan to hack onto her website and then when people clicked on it, it just read, this is what the fuck I think I'm doing with a link to mp3 files of her entire album kind of feel sorry for her there but that is also a sick burn love profusion though she says is her love song to her husband guy ritchie just makes me think of that iconic image when she was married to guy ritchie of madonna leaving a sex shop with a seafood bag that clearly has a strap on in it i don't know whether it was a pap shot that she arranged to have but certainly saying everything that it's a if a picture paints a thousand words then that one you know can paint an entire fresco no references though in love profusion to pegging guy ritchie unfortunately though the fact that this is number 11 does break a chart run for madonna it makes american life the first madonna album not to feature a number one single since bedtime stories in 1994 and it also breaks a run of top 10 singles that has been going on for her since 1996 so not doing great in the UK, although she did get a number three single from this album with Die Another Day and two number twos with American Life and Hollywood, which is much better than she did in the US, where Die Another Day got to number eight, American Life got to number 37, and those other songs did not chart at all. How did Madonna react to all of this? Why, of course, she released a children's book. Very funny, because her only book before that had been the book Sex, probably the only children's book author whose first book was an explicit 
photo book about sex. You know, certainly the whoever wrote the Gruffalo didn't do that. Although the Gruffalo is pretty horny. No. Madonna says that she was inspired to release this book after her Kabbalah teacher told her that she should share the wisdom that she had gained through her studies of Kabbalah in the form of stories meant for children. However, it seems that she pretty much ignored him because the story of her children's book, The English Roses, is about how these four girls don't like another girl because she seems to be too perfect, and then they discover her life isn't as easy as they think it is. As Madonna herself put it, Projecting much, babe? You know, I don't know that much about Jewish mysticism, but aren't you supposed to destroy your ego? Not sure you've done it there with English roses. Oh, everyone thinks I'm so perfect, but actually my life is hard. Okay, babe. Love you, but no. Nevertheless, Love Profusion, a great song, and one that she's never actually performed live. So if you're listening, Madge, and I know you are in between celebration tour dates, you've got to ice your knee, you need something to listen to. Come on, add it to the set list of the celebration tour. So if this year wasn't humiliating enough for Madonna, she has been beaten in the charts this week by number 10, the Cheeky Girls, with Have a Cheeky Christmas. A Cheeky Christmas, of course, featured iconically in the 2023 film Saltburn at the student party that Barry Keown and Jacob Elordi meet. This led the Cheeky Girls doing one of my favourite bits of promotion for the film Saltburn when they tweeted, Hi guys, check out our Christmas song, Have a Cheeky Christmas. We are so happy to be featured in the new movie Saltburn. I really think the Cheeky Girls should actually capitalise on this a bit more. Release a advert saying that the Cheeky Girls are the perfect music to lick cum out of a bathtub to, which is a thing that actually does happen in the film Saltburn if you haven't seen it. And unfortunately, no, the film is not as good as that makes it sound. But in 2023, Cheeky Girls were doing their usual relentless promotional campaign. They were asked in Smash Hits to choose between Gareth Gates and Will Young. And they detailed a awkward encounter with Gareth Gates. Uh, not as awkward as his one with Katie Price. <laughs> they said, Will sings better. We've met them both and he was nicer to us than Gareth Gates. When we saw Gareth in Holland, he didn't say hello. He just started singing, we are the cheeky girls, we are the cheeky girls. I mean, who could resist doing that, to be fair, to Gareth? They also had a run-in with the Blazing Squad boys. They said, we were staying at a hotel. They hear a knock on the door. It's the big ginger one from Blazing Squad. I believe that's Reaper. And another one. They asked, do cheeky girls want to come for a drink? I said no, and then they ran away. Ugh, what could have been? The single for Have a Cheeky Christmas by Cheeky Girls, which I sadly did not buy, but it has one of my favourite things that you used to get in pop singles, which is a Christmas mix of Cheeky Song, Touch My Bum, which is just the regular song, but with sleigh bells on top of it. I'm such a sucker for that cynical trick of adding sleigh bells to a non-Christmas song and then releasing it at Christmas. And the other B-side is the fascinatingly named Salsa in the Disco, which I need to hear right now. Sadly, this is the last UK top 10 for Monica and Gabriella Cheeky. 
And if that wasn't humiliating enough, it's also their last song that has its own Wikipedia page. Sorry for people who want to learn more about Cheeky Flamenco. You're going to have to just listen to this podcast when we get to that song. In finding out those songs didn't have a Wikipedia page, though, I did learn that the cheeky song Touch My Bum was a number six hit in China. So one day, when China wipes us off the face of the earth with a nuke, we'll know why. It'll be revenge. Another thing I learned from their Wikipedia, they are included on a page of Romanian establishments that were established in the year 2002. It's very funny to see the cheeky girls listed next to Bucharest Light Rail and the 50th Anti-Aircraft Missile Regiment of Romania. It actually does make sense, of course, though, that they are labelled next to the 50th Anti-Aircraft Missile Regiment, because one of those is a body capable of war crimes, and the other is some army thing, I don't know. As I've said before, can never resist that joke construction. So Cheeky Girls at number 10. Let's see who is still going in the race for the penultimate number one before Christmas. Cliff Richard, Evanescence, Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne and Christina Aguilera, the last of which is a new entry at number nine. This, of course, is a song about embracing your inner voice, which Christina Aguilera said she found after splitting from her ex, the dancer Jorge Santos. She told Smash Hits, I need to heal from my split with my ex Jorge to wear the bandages for my emotional wounds, so to speak. But now I'm okay. I think I'm ready to start a new relationship as long as it is a romantic one. Later on, she would out dancer Jorge Santos, her ex-boyfriend, who she dated for two years. She said that her 2002 song Infatuation was about him, admitting it was heartbreaking because I found out he played for your team, not mine. Of course, the relationship that we all cared about, though, with Christina Aguilera in 2003 was her hate-hate relationship with Kelly Osbourne. In this week in Smash Hits, we have this quote from Kelly Osbourne about Christina Aguilera. She's like a feather. I could pick her up and chuck her across the room. Just one of the many things Kelly Osbourne said about Christina. Of course, because it's the festive season, it's a great chance to replay what the Osbournes said about Christina Aguilera's Christmas songs. Christina Aguilera singing no, Christmas songs. And I'm not kidding you, I wanted to fucking stab myself. And unfortunately for those of us who don't like the mean one to win, Kelly Osbourne has won in this week's chart because she is still to come, whereas Christian Aguilera is stuck here at number nine. Although I would say Christina Aguilera wins the war, you know. She not only has four number one singles, but will continue to have a career, whereas Kelly Osbourne only has one more single, even if it might be better than any of the songs Christina Aguilera ever released. Controversial statement, but when we get to Kelly Osbourne's next single, I will make my case for it. Top of the Pops magazine, meanwhile, asked Christina, where did your diva reputation come from? And she said, for a while, it got to the point that I was losing my voice and kept working myself into the ground. I ended up getting really introverted and I wasn't happy, but nobody knows what's really going on. 
on. Was it the overwork that made you lose your voice, Christina? Or was it that you tackle every note like this? <laughs> that probably was doing some damage too, I was guessing. By the way, a weird thing. So this is from the Top of the Pops yearbook. And every month you get a short interview with a big pop star from that month. And all of the women, you get their height and their shoe size. I don't want to know who in the Top of the Pops editorial room was trying to find out all these pop stars shoe sizes and I don't want to know why. Why are we talking about her diva reputation though? She certainly came across that way to one of Westlife. This is from Smash Hits. It said, Xtina once asked for a table at the Met Bar to be cleared for her entourage. Unfortunately, it was Mark Westlife's table and he later told a TV show that she was nothing but a stuck-up little girl. She managed to unite Mark Westlife and Kelly Osbourne there in hatred of her. That's pretty good going. As for The Voice Within, it was produced by Glenn Ballard, most famous for producing Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, maybe explaining part of the song's sound. The website AXS.com called this the sixth best Christina Aguilera song, but for me, it's kind of the beginning of the end for Christina Aguilera because it's where all of that wailing for no reason kind of starts. And I want to talk about this AXS article a little bit because not to call out some poor, probably overworked and underpaid freelancer from 2015 who wrote this, but they say the number one Christina Aguilera song is Hurt, which no. And the songs Dirty, Lady Marmalade and Genie in a Bottle are nowhere to be seen on this list. And this list also has Candyman at number five and that is like actively embarrassing. And in fact, yeah, none of her UK number ones are in this list. So none of those and also Beautiful totally missing. So do better. I know we're all like, oh, I want to highlight, I love this artist. I want to highlight the songs that people don't know, but Candyman, really? Okay. And as for Christian Aguilera's career, from then on, I said it was the beginning of the end for me, but her career will go from strength to strength for at least a few more years. She has a few more top tens to come, although no more number ones. She'll get very close with one of the worst songs ever committed to whatever they commit music to now. The Cloud moves like Jagger. But she is kind of falling into a pop star trap. She will take three years to release her next album, Back to Basics. And the only songs we will get in the interlude is her as the jellyfish in Car Wash, which is coming in November 2004. But another top 10 for Christina Aguilera on this chart, nonetheless, behind. At number eight, down from four in its second week, Say It Isn't So by Gareth Gates. Gareth Gates here, sandwiched between two people with very severe black dye jobs. Christy Aguilera at number nine. And at number seven, a new entry for My Immortal by Evanescence. This pain is just too real. There's just too much that time cannot erase. When you cry, I wipe away all of your tears. When I'm putting together my research for these podcasts, the first thing I would do, obviously, is look at the Wikipedia page for each song just to see if there's any kind of trivia or interesting interviews that then I can go down the rabbit hole of. And this one provided one of my favourite rabbit holes. So I searched My Immortal and it said, My Immortal can refer to My Immortal song 
2003 song by Evanescence. Okay, yep. And then My Immortal brackets fan fiction, fan fiction novel in the Harry Potter universe. So of course I clicked on the second one and found this line, My Immortal is popularly regarded as one of the worst works of fan fiction ever made. Since the work's publication, it has gained infamy for its constant grammar and spelling errors, plot inconsistencies and complete disregard for the original Harry Potter source material. Had to track it down, of course. So here are some quotes from the Goodreads page for My Immortal. I may be a Hogwarts student, Hargerid, paused angrily, but I am also a Satanist. Then suddenly a gothic old man flew in on his broomstick. He had long black hair and a long black bread. He was wearing a black robe that said Avril Lavigne on the back. He shotted a spell and Vlodemort ran away. It was Dumbledore. <laughs> Will this just be an hour of me reading quotes from this, maybe? He was so sexy that my body went all hot when I saw him. Kind of like an erection, only I'm a girl, so I don't get one, you sicko. And one last quote here, which is probably what you're all shouting to me at this moment. Stop it now, you horny simpletons, shouted Professor McGoggle, who was watching us and so was everyone else. There we go, some samples from My Immortal. But now that, of course, is not the Evanescence song. So let's read some of the lyrics from that. So this is from My Immortal by Evanescence. We started Frenching as we climbed into the coffin. He put his Spock in my you-know-what and passively we did it. No, no, of course, that is also from My Immortal, the fan fiction. So, so now, of course, I will read an actual lyric from Evanescence's My Immortal. Come now, Preacher McGongle <laughs> yielded. We did guiltily. Okay, that I promise that is actually the last one. Of course, the lyrics... The chorus for My Immortal Way of Nessence goes, When you cried, I'd wipe away all of your tears. When you'd scream, I'd fight away all of your fears. And I held your hand through all of these years, but you still have all of me. Beautiful sentiment written by Amy Lee and Ben Moody, the former creative partners of Evanescence, at the age of 15, which makes me ask, through all of these years, all of what years, 15-year-old Amy Lee and Ben Moody? But nevertheless, as we said, they eventually recorded a version of this song for their 2000 demo CD, and it's actually that version that appears on the album, Fallen, the Evanescence album, at the record label's insistence. Quite why they wanted the demo version rather than the original. That must that does not bode well to your creativity, does it? You, you know, you do a full orchestrated version of your song and then they're like, mm, I think we prefer the version when you're on a shitty keyboard, to be honest. But the full orchestration version is what's called the band version, which as in band, the group, not band, as in, you know, you can't do it. And that is the version that appeared on the single of My Immortal. And the song is about a spirit that haunts the memory of a grieving loved one, quite like some of those quotes from the My Immortal fanfiction will now haunt my dreams. Evanescence, meanwhile, will have one more top 10 single with Call Me When You're Sober, but they will never again live up to the number one single that was Bring Me To Life, their first single. But hey, getting to number seven on this very busy week is pretty good going, but was not enough to get them into the top five where there are only actually two more new entries to go. Will it be Cliff Richard or Ozzy Osbourne? Imagine what they would talk about getting this week's number one or will Will Young make it three weeks? Well, before we find out which one of those is lower placed at first, here is another former number one this week down from five in its fourth week on the chart, Mandy by Westlife. Oh, Margie. You came and you found me a turkey on my vacation away from worky. Swiftly followed by a new entry at number five. Is it Aussie? Is it Cliff? Well, it is this. And pray to heaven above. A future lies in wait 
Of course, that is Ozzy Osbourne. No, it is Cliff Richard with Santa's List, a new entry at number five. Now, I'm looking at Santa's List for me, and uh, oh no, no Cliff Richard songs on it. That's funny. It's actually it's actually interesting, this song, because he seems to like Santa quite a lot. He releases a lot of Christmas songs, and yet there are no pictures of Cliff Richard and Santa together. I wonder why that is. He said, oh, I, I know Santa. Because he knew that I was influenced. And I, he said, would you want to meet him? I said, yeah. At the end of the interview, though, I said... Can we put it off? Because he was he put on a lot of weight. Oh, right. And I thought, if I'm having a photograph taken with him and it's going to be hanging on my refrigerator, it, he's got to look good. Oh, yes. How foolish of me, of course. So the chorus of Santa's List by everyone's fat-phobic favourite is, We don't need a Merry Christmas. We don't need a Happy New Year. The only wish on Santa's List is that one day there will be peace on Earth. Lovely sentiment. It's basically Happy Xmas War is Over for people who didn't do any drugs at all in the 1960s. Although we have to say, to Cliff's credit, at least he isn't, you know, actively racist in his song. So maybe he wins music? Question mark? But however, I am not sure that this is how Santa's List works. The only wish on Santa's List is for there to be peace on Earth this year. Because I know in 2003 that I asked Santa for the album American Life by Madonna and I got it. So there were at least two things on Santa's list this year, which makes me worry that maybe I let the world down. You know, he was like, okay, let's look at the list. Okay, world peace. That's going to take a lot of effort. But if that's the only thing that people have asked for, I can do it. Oh, some young faggots asked for the new Madonna album. Guess war continues. Yeah, so sorry everyone about that. But it's a good album, so almost worth it. Sadly though, for Cliff Richard not getting another Christmas number one. If he had done, that would have made him, at this point, the record holder for the most Christmas number ones, beating the Beatles and the Spice Girls. But of course, Lad Baby would then beat him anyway with five in a way that makes me physically sick. Oh, it did It did loads for charity. I'd honestly have rather have bankrupted myself giving charities the amount of money those songs made than, I'd rather, you know, selling my organs rather than actually those songs exist. But, you know, fine. By the way, those three Christmas number ones that Cliff had were Mistletoe and Wine in 1981, I think, Saviour's Day in 1990, and the Millennium Prayer in 1999, the hilarious mashup of The Lord's Prayer and Auld Lang Syne. The Millennium Prayer is actually weirdly a song I think about quite a bit. I'll be at a party, I'll start arguing that the 2000s was a much better time for music than the 2020s, and then I'll remember the Millennium Prayer and think, okay, maybe it's always been shit. But I teased this earlier, how many number ones do you think that Cliff Richard has had? Obviously, I can't hear you, but I'll bet that whatever number you just thought of was too low because he has had, get ready for this, 14 UK number ones alongside 124 top 40 singles and 68 top 10s. And those number ones went from Living Doll in July 1959 to The Millennium Prayer in 1999. 40 years of UK number ones. Whatever you might think of Cliff Richard, you have to applaud that. Those number ones, by the way, Living Doll, 1959, Travelling Light, 1959, Please Don't Tease, 1960, I Love You, 1960, The Young Ones, 62, The Next Time, 63, Summer Holiday, 63, The Minute You're Gone, 65, Congratulations, of course, got to number two in Eurovision as well, 68, We Don't Talk Anymore, 79, Living Doll, his duet with The Young Ones, for 86, that was for Comic Relief. Mistletoe and Wine, uh, misspoke earlier, 1988, not 81. 1990, Saviour's Day, and then Millennium Prayer in 1999. But just missing out on number one here, although this isn't even the last time he will have a near miss with number one. In 2006, in December, he gets to number two with 21st Century Christmas, which obviously we'll talk about that song in 2026, 
since that's quite a way away, I'll briefly mention now what I found very funny about this the 21st Century Christmas by Cliff Richard. So it's a song that's all about how modern technology means that we might have lost touch with some of the meaning of Christmas, like a classic Cliff Richard Christian concern. But then the lyrics go, we'll microwave some popcorn, put on a DVD, fax Tiny Tim a thank you for blessing you and me. Ah yes, that 21st century invention, the fax. So Cliff Richard at number five though means that only Ozzy Osbourne is standing in Will Young's way at that number one spot. So let's count down to one and see whether he's managed it. So at four, a former number two in its third week down from three, I'm Your Man by Shane Ritchie. Shut up by the Black Eyed Peas, down from two in its fourth week. I love you, boo. I love you too. I miss you a lot. I miss you even more. That's why I flew you out when we was on tour. But then something got out of hand. You start yelling what I would break plans, even though I had legitimate reasons. You know I have to make them dividends. How could you trust a private eyes, girl? That's why you don't believe my lies. Will Young and Ozzy Osbourne fighting it out for that top spot. Which one of them is at number two? It is. Will Young with Leave Right Now, which means we have another number one single, Ozzy Osbourne and Kelly Osbourne with Changes. Welcome to the number one spot, Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne with the 967th UK number one, Changes, which we'll talk about right now. So Changes, a song that originally appeared on the Black Sabbath album Volume 4 in September 1972, obviously Ozzy Osbourne, the ex-lead singer of Black Sabbath. Originally the song is about the breakup of the relationship between the drummer of Black Sabbath and his wife, but the lyrics have been changed here to reflect the father-daughter relationship of Ozzy and Kelly, which actually I have to commend them for because they could have just done the Nancy Sinatra and Frank Sinatra, but yeah, they haven't decided to sing a love ballad to each other, which is nice. This single, which again I didn't buy, but I have looked up, it hilariously had a Felix de Housecat remix. I love when a ballad has a house remix. The ambition there of being like, oh yeah, no, this will be a huge club smash. Ozzy Osbourne croaking about going through changes. People are going to love that when they're off their nut on Molly. Here's an example of some of the lyrics that have been changed. The original lyrics, we shared the eaves, we shared each day, in love together we found a way, but soon the world had its evil way, my heart was blinded, love went astray. So it's kind of him, like, I think, admitting that he had an affair. They changed it to, we've shared the years, we've shared each day, I love you daddy but I found my way and then Ozzy said you know the world is an evil place my baby has grown now she's found her way which doesn't rhyme but fine maybe that lack of rhyme was why the Village Voice the New York magazine called this the 27th worst song of the 2000s they may have a point with this one although and obviously lists are subjective but they call Walk This Way by Sugar Bates vs Girls Aloud the 13th worst song of the 2000s and 
Ashley Simpson's La La number nine, which I have a huge guilty pleasure for, La La by Ashley Simpson. What can I say? It makes me want a La La. But unfortunately, I will be taking no American people's advice on Girls Aloud and Sugar Babes. You could say, I don't need no good advice. If you wanted to comment on them, you could have let them have a chart hit, okay? But you didn't, so you can't, okay? Good. Of course, Kelly Osbourne spent most of 2003 slagging everyone off. We've heard about her slagging off Christina Aguilera, but also it seems that she busted had a run-in with Kelly Osbourne. Charlie from Busted told Top of the Pops, Kelly's a cunt, and her new single is the worst song I've ever heard. And then James adds, I have to say, Shut Up was also the worst song I've ever heard. Matty adds, Kelly deserves a slap, though Ozzy is a legend. It's not the worst song I've ever heard, but certainly it's not the best song I've ever heard. Kelly Osbourne's tuning here makes Lumidy look like Mariah Carey. But you have to admit, the Osbournes were sloppy fun at this point. Sharon Osbourne's become a bit of a difficult figure in recent years, but we didn't know that at the time. Just great tabloid fodder. Here's a question this is from the enemy review of the year which rock mum was involved in an allegedly punch heavy altercation with a talent agent in a hollywood restaurant that was of course sharon osborne and also apparently at this point ozzy osborne was writing a musical about rasputin although unfortunately it seems that this never saw the light of day which is a great shame so an up and down year for kelly osborne obviously the osborne's remains a huge show and she's getting a number one single here but actually also in 2003 she was dropped from her record label sony her next single the iconic one word will be released on Sanctuary Records. Another person that she had a run in was with was Louis Walsh. Apparently they had Louis Walsh review the week's singles and he said how much he hated the Kelly Osbourne one, which led Sharon Osbourne to send him a stiffly worded letter, which very interesting that then they would end up working with each other in two years time, which actually reminds me I have a retraction to make from last week. I said that 2004 would be the end of the Christmas chart race because the X Factor began. Of course, the X Factor starts in 2005 and in 2004 we do get Band A 20 having a number one single. So look forward to that. Kelly Osbourne says of uh, Lou Walsh, I think it's pretty strange when a 90-year-old man uses the word hate so much when talking about an 18-year-old girl. He was definitely out of order and he's definitely nuts. It's the year 2003, it's not 1970, so back off. Yeah, take that, Louis Walsh. Kelly Osbourne and Ozzy Osbourne will go on to be the seventh biggest selling song of 2003, sandwiched between All the Things She Said by Tattoo and Breathe by Blue Cantrell. It sold 400,000 copies in the UK, including 86,000 in its first week, but that does not mean that it will be able to get a second week at number one because it's about to head in to one of the most heated chart battles of all time. A week so full of contenders that even Christmas Cliff was given 50 to 1 odds of getting to number one that week. So you'll have to tune into the podcast next week to watch that all unfold. But for now, please like, rate, review, positive reviews only. Thank you, my darlings. Recommend to all pop maniacs. Follow us on Twitter at 2000s Chart Show at Instagram at the 2000s Chart Show. Email us at the 2000s Chart Show at gmail.com, especially if you're J Rock from Big Brothers. And tune in next week for the last great Christmas number one battle. See you next week. I love her so. But it's too late now. I've let her.